Are you going to like this guy whether you like him or not? Right? I am so excited to be here because I was here a year ago. You're the first church to ever have me back twice. I want to thank you for that. I don't know how much you got blessed last time I was here. I appreciate Pastor saying that you did. Um, but I know I did. And you are a huge blessing to me. And I've been looking forward to this ever since it's been on the calendar that I was going to be able to come back. And I want to thank the Paulsons. It's their fault that I'm here in the first place. And so if you don't like me, just you cannot like me. Just blame them for it, not Pastor. Um, I love your pastor's leadership. I love his heart. And I want you to know I'm taking this whole Elvis thing with me no matter where I go. All across the country, I'm going to be, well, not all across the country, I only go to like two places, but both those places that I go to are going to hear about Elvis who showed up in the morning. I just love that. You know, we say God's a lot of fun, but we don't always model it. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we're so ready to, we think that Christian means we're supposed to be honorary and judgmental, and when actually the Bible is quite opposite of that. And any church that can have Elvis come in in the beginning... It's all right by me. Like you. Like you very much. So today I was going to kind of talk about George Washington and how he um, chopped down the tree, cherry tree. And so I brought myself a utensil here. I didn't have an axe, but I do have a knife in here. And um, just kidding, Eunice. I'm not going to touch your trees again. I did that last year. Now you wonder why I never get invited back places, right? In this bag is the secret of my peace. Through probably the most difficult or one of the most difficult storms I've ever gone through, the secret to my peace is in this bag, and I, I kind of want to share that with you today. But before I do, I, I kind of have this little beef that I need to get off my chest. Um, can anyone tell me why machines were made? Make life faster, make life easier. Make, did you know when they first started coming with all these machines, they were, they were estimating that the average work week would only be 20 to 30 hours a week. And they were estimating that, that we would only have to work 30-some weeks a year. And actually, the machines have just made life more complicated for us and more... And not to mention that, machines, they're, they're supposed to make life easier. Like, they got these new hand dryers at the airport. These things are awesome. They'll take the skin right off your hand. And you stick your hand in there and two sheets of air blow and it's like a squeegee's your hand right now. I just kept sticking my hands back in there. sticking, And that, I agree, that one does make your life easier. But what about when you're going to check out and they can't get the computer to work right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, machines are supposed to make life easier. So then explain these automatic faucets thing. I got a little pet peeve about this automatic faucet thing. This is messed up. I, I'm, have you ever noticed there's always a, a mirror behind the automatic faucet? This is a candid camera thing. It's a punk thing waiting to happen. I'm convinced there was somebody back there with a camera filming you through a one-way glass because it, there's no way, not even a faucet that's broken works like these things do. I mean, you, you, you I walk in with hesitation now. Then you walk off and it turns on. So you come back real quick, but then it stops. So you try walking off again and it doesn't...
these automatic automatic paper towel, I understand why they're the automatic paper towel dispensers, right? You know, we could put people on the moon, but we can't make a paper towel dispenser that doesn't get water all over the floor. I mean, your hands are soaking wet, so what do they do? They don't give you a great big handle that you just move slowly. And, no, they give you this little tiny handle that you have to... <laughs> water's going all over the mirror, going all over the place. Then they make the ones that you just pull out, but you can never... It's either just you keep bumping the, the file up in there, or you keep ripping it because they filled it too full. Then they have those automatic ones. And then a little thing of toilet paper comes out like this big. <laughs> and I, after you finally dry your hands on your pants, you know. And those first ones that came out, the automatic, they're on timers, you know. Those would work, but they would always, they, would, they had sensors in them. I know they did. Because they would know right before your hands would dry and then they would shut off. <laughs> you don't have to run a whole other cycle through just for that little bit, but they wait to, oh, those hands are pretty damp. Let's stop right now. <laughs> so he can wipe his hands on his pants on the way out the door. Machines were supposed to make life easier, but many times they make life much more complicated. Like, like the machine that this guy built, who is a, he was a, you probably heard this one, but it, it bears repeating it. It, it was, uh, he was a bricklayer by trade. And he got into a pretty severe accident on his job. So he sent in a, a, an insurance claim. The insurance company sent back a form saying, you didn't fill this claim out enough. This was his reply. I am writing in response to your request for additional information for block number three of the accident reporting form. I put, quote, poor planning, end quote, as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more fully, and I trust the following detail will be sufficient. I'm an amateur radio operator, and on the day of the accident, I was working alone on the top section of my new 80-foot tower. Is that funny, that part there? Okay, that's good. All right. When I had completed my work, I discovered that I had, over the course of several trips up the tower, brought up about 300 pounds of tools and spare hardware. Rather than carry the unneeded tools and some materials down by hand, I decided to lower the items down in a small barrel by, placing, by using the pulley attached to the gin pole at the top of the tower. He's making a machine. Securing the rope at ground level, I went to the top of the tower and loaded the tools and material into the barrel. Then I went back to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 300 pounds of tools. You will note in block number 11 of the accident reporting form that I weigh only 155 pounds. Due to my surprise of being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid rate of speed up the side of the tower. In the vicinity of the 40-foot level, I met the barrel coming down. This explains my fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold on to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of tools hit the ground, 
and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the tools, the barrel now weighed approximately 20 pounds. I again refer you to my weight in block number 11. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the tower. In the vicinity of the 40-foot level, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for my two fractured ankles and the laceration of my legs and lower body. The encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of tools. And fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the tools, in pain, unable to stand, and watching the barrel 80 feet above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. Now, of all the machines that are out there, there is one that has made my life tremendously better, and it's in this bag. It is probably the number one machine ever invented. Anyone have an idea what it is? You do. It's yours. The remote control, ladies and gentlemen. Is anyone here my age or older that used to be the remote control? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, I will spend 45 minutes looking for this thing instead of getting up and turning the channel myself. Because as men, we're not interested in what's on TV. We're more interested in what else is on TV. Amen? I mean, if you're having a hard time sleeping, you put one of these babies in your hand. All you have to do is touch it. You can sit on that recliner all day long, but you put the remote control in your hand and it's to a channel that no one else likes, I guarantee you're going to fall asleep. My dad would always... <laughs> sucking in all sorts of furniture and stuff, you know. But don't try to turn the channel, boy. He'll wake up, hey! <laughs> I was watching that. Really? How are you doing that? Can you go back to watching it again while I turn the channel? My question today is, what do you do if remote control doesn't work? I mean, that is a bad day. You push the buttons, and they're not working, so you have to check to make sure you're pushing the right button, even though it's a big red one on there. Stupid. Come on. Hey! Then you start talking at the damn thing. Come on! You stupid, comcastic. What is... And then you get closer. <laughs> if that doesn't work, men, please inform the ladies what you do next. Huh? You're not going to talk no matter what I say. What do you do next? Huh? You take the batteries out and put new batteries in. And if you don't have new batteries, you take them out and you switch them around. It's amazing what can be fixed with a good wrap on the side. I'm telling you, I fixed so many appliances in my house just by hitting it a couple times. Breaking my knuckles, but it works now. If the batteries don't make it work, then what do you do? You throw it away. Why? Well, actually, if you're a man, you don't throw it away. 
If you're a man, you get one of those little tiny screwdrivers and you take out all the little tiny screws and you lose about half of them. You tear it apart and set it on the counter because you know you can fix this thing. And then two and a half weeks later, you throw it away and go get a new one. Because it's just easier to buy a new one. You throw it away because it's just a, a machine. It's just a machine. I heard this guy talk about couples and he said, you know, women, if you ask a woman to describe the perfect man, she describes another woman. Amen? If you ask a man to describe his perfect woman, he describes a machine. Perfect, does all the work. When you need her, you come to her, push all the buttons. But what happens when you push the buttons and she doesn't work? Now, my wife is here today. I'm very excited about that because that means I'm probably going to come back sometime. She's the better half of this marriage. And if you don't believe me, babe, would you please stand up so everyone can see you, even though it embarrasses you. I know it embarrasses her to be married to me, but that's my wife, ladies and gentlemen. That's Christine. But I was a pastor for many years, and so she had that sister Christine, but I never called her Christine. Even when we got married in our wedding ceremony, I didn't know I was doing this, but I called her babe all the time. So um, I technically could be married to a number of girls that were there. I'm not sure, but I called her babe, but you can call her sister babe if you prefer. Uh, that would be more holy biblical, that whole thing. But I... I, I, I there are times when she just doesn't respond right. And so I change the batteries. I come in a different way. What is wrong with her? You're stupid. Come on, babe. I'm doing this, you should be doing that. Right? When a machine doesn't work, what do you do? You throw it out. But when a person doesn't work, you work it out. Why don't you throw her out? Huh? Because though you might not think so, she is not a machine. She's a human. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, he's talking about you right now, so listen up. How many are glad you have humans for friends? Raise your hands up in the air. I'm telling you, wouldn't machines be way easier though? You push the buttons, change the batteries, and they do everything you tell them to do. But you can't have a relationship with a machine unless you're sick and twisted, and I can't help you this morning. <laughs> oh, my little remote control. Oh, I love you. I'll tell you what you do if she doesn't work. You get the bigger remote control. you're a man. Someone say, ah. Some of you guys should brush your teeth before you come to the house of the Lord. And you try bigger buttons. You buy your bigger gifts. 
You beg with them more, you trade, but you... What is wrong with this model? It just is not working. You're right, because it's real. It has flesh and blood. It's more complicated than a machine. Man, we could tear this apart and look at it. It doesn't scare us at all, but... I don't know how he did it. What scares me more is I like her so much. I mean, she's complicated. That's how we know women were made in God's image too. You can't figure God out. When things don't work with my wife, I can't throw her out because she's a person. We have to work it out. Somebody say, work it out. And for things to work out, it takes two people. It takes two people to work something out. Let my ADD kick in for a second. I apologize to all you normal people out there today. Don't worry, you'll get back to normal next week. Okay? But the ADD guy is in town today. I read this quote from Einstein on insanity. Does anyone know what it says? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's insanity. So I started looking at businesses that kept doing things over and over again that it wasn't working. Then I started looking at ministries. And I, I speak at a lot of camps and I have youth pastors come up to me and say, Man, I just hope it sticks this year. No pressure. But I hope it sticks this year. And I want to say, well then what are you doing different this year than even all the other years when it didn't stick? Right? I started looking at situations where, you know, we all know for a fact that, that the church is weak in America today. So why are we doing same th things we've always done the way we've always done them, expecting different results? And then I looked in the mirror at the ministry God had given me. And I wasn't so quick to judge anymore. Because I was in a situation where it wasn't working for me either. I had to start a painting company to, to help support my, you know, my habit of doing ministry. I couldn't get enough painting, I couldn't get enough speaking engagements, I couldn't get paid enough of the speaking engagements. I just kept going behind financially to that. I'm at a point where now, unless God shows up, I'm in trouble. According to Einstein, it would be insanity for me to continue on the current rate that I'm going. And I know we live in America. And I know that we all believe that God wants to prosper us, but sometimes the, the, the death valley is in the middle of Psalms 23. Yay! Woo! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yay! That wasn't written for America. That was written for the other countries that don't quite have what we have. What do you do when life doesn't work? I realize I'm not going to be hypocritical here. I've got to rethink the way I'm doing what I'm doing. I just can't keep going through this anymore. I can't keep going backwards. So I started asking people for advice. What do you think I should do business-wise? How do I make enough money that I can pay the bills and, and feed my family? How do I do this? And the more my friends, and I, I just asked people that I respected business-wise, because I'm, I know it's hard for you to believe, but I'm terrible at business, okay? You might want to sit down. Okay, good. So I'd ask my friends, 
And they all began to give me advice. And the more they began to give me advice, the more my spirit just didn't sit right. The more I came, I just wanted to run away. I just wanted to, ah, I just felt like Kramer on Seinfeld. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I just... And the more that they talked to me, the more inside I became ill at ease. The more anxious I became inside, the more this began to... And pretty soon I got myself over several weeks, I had got myself worked up into this tizzy, whatever that is, uh, some emotional wreck. I remember driving home from a, from a job and I was just saying, God, I need, a, I need a word from you and I need it now. I've got it. And I should have realized when I was in a state of panic that I was not in a state of God because God doesn't work through panic. If you're in a state of panic, that's not God speaking. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If that's not God speaking, then it's not the truth. If it's not the truth, then something near the opposite probably is. Let that be a comfort to you. But I couldn't think clearly. I was in this state and I said, God, I have got to hear from you. And don't tell me that you're going you're gonna to pull through soon because I'm tired of hearing that soon word, the S word. I'm tired of it. The four-letter S word, soon. I'll meet your needs soon. I'll be there soon. Like what's soon to God who time exists in Him. One day is like a thousand years, right? Bible says. So when he says soon, it could be any decade now. God, I, I need a word from you. I've got to hear what's going on because everyone's telling me advice and, and it just isn't, it just isn't, I don't know what to do. The Bible says his ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. And if all we're ever doing is following our thoughts and our ways, I'm not so sure we're always following him. I mean, how else do you quote that? How else do you interpret that verse? I said, God, I've got to hear from you. And all of a sudden, I started talking to my friend on the phone. And my friend said, Steve, it's simple. You have a mechanical relationship with God. He said, I know because God just showed me the same thing. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, what are machines made for? They're made to make life easier. What was I treating God like? The machine... That was there to make my life easier. God, haven't I done everything you asked me to do? And I have to go through this valley? How long do I have to live here? How long do I have to put up with this stuff? How long, oh Lord? I wasn't the only one. Try reading the book of Psalms sometime. It's good entertainment. You want to talk to a guy that was a little whacked out? David was the same way. And I realized that I, I traveled, traveled places and told people that, that we're supposed to have a personal relationship with Him. It's called a personal relationship with Jesus. And yet I was treating Him like a machine that was here to make my life easier. And I immediately repented in the car and began to cry as I, I said, God, I am so sorry. For, I, had, I had no idea I was treating you like a machine to make my life easier. When a machine doesn't work, you throw it out. I was ready to throw out the ministry that God had given me. I wasn't going to throw out my, my friendship with God because I can't think of anything that would cause me to throw out my friendship with God. That would just be foolish. He's my creator. He's my lover. He's my maker. He's my best friend. He is all these things. I wouldn't throw him away. But the thing that he called me to do was just too much for me to bear. The economy today is just too much for me to bear. The president in office is just too much for some people to bear. I got news for you. God is not Republican. 
and he's not Democrat. And so he gets so bent out of shape about who is in office. I got another news flash for you. According to the Bible, Barack Obama isn't supposed to be the one that's going to change my country. I am. We are. We are the church. We are his people. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start. You know, I heard this song with my son the other day. The girl is mine, mine, mine. Yeah, she's mine, mine, mine. And then Michael Jackson gets on there and he says, I told you, Paul, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, you think? <laughs> glad he came up with that one, right? Michael Jackson, not a, not a fighter. Yeah, that was, I'm glad he pointed that one out for me. I digress. Let the ADD come back to normal for a second. Where in the world is he going? Hold on, baby, we'll get there. Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and, and call on me, then I will heal their land. And if we're expecting a, a political system to cure something that's not supposed to be political, no wonder we're angry and frustrated. George Bush isn't going to change the country. Barack Obama's not going to change the country. It's time for the church to be the church. Then our country will get changed. There's no one else we should point the finger at except ourselves. It's not about Barack Obama. He's my president now. I'm supporting that man. And I'm praying for that man. And if his speeches are going to make my country full of hope, well then, praise God, I don't know how long that's going to last, but I'm jumping on that bandwagon. We need hope. But we need to believe not in a political system, not in a man that's in office. We need to believe in the man that is in office. Like Elvis said this morning, don't forget to love the man up there. That's what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be a personal friendship. And when things don't work out with him, when things don't work out with our life, we can't throw it out. We have to work it out. When's the last time you asked God what His opinion was? See, God made us in His image. I probably shouldn't walk down here, should I? Okay. Turn all the lights off so I stay up here in the spotlight. Fine. Stay right here anyway. If I have my zippers down, you'll never know. The pulpits, man, these to be so big you could change your clothes back here and no one out there would even know. Now they make them out of plexiglass. What do you do with that? I'll stay up here. As soon as I figure out where I was headed, I'll get right back on that. Just talk amongst yourselves for a moment. We'll get there. When's the last time you asked Jesus what he thought about your situation? God made us in his image. We get that turned around. We make him in ours. So because we're worried about something, we think that God is also worried about that thing. Since we do something that disappoints us, we believe that He is disappointed with us. We're putting words in His mouth and we've never asked Him what He thinks about us. 
I got a CD out there that is kind of like part two of this. I put the CD together because it's kind of a, it, it teaches you how to hear God's voice. God speaks to us in our thoughts. And so how do you know whether it's God or not? The CD will help you through that whole thing. The point is, the Bible says in, in John chapter 10 that my sheep know my voice. If I don't know his voice, am I really his sheep? No relationship is better than its communication. And if I don't communicate with my wife, the level I communicate with her is the level that our relationship is going to be on. I'm going to start putting out a newsletter on how to hear God's voice. If you're interested in that, you can sign up in the back there. You can either get a hard copy by putting down your address or get an electronic copy by putting down your email address. But anyway, when's the last time you asked God what He felt about your situation? Or does it always have to be somebody saying, Thus saith the Lord. Remember Moses? It didn't work out. It took them 40 years to go two weeks. There's a guy who would not ask for directions. My thing is, I think he did ask for directions. See, ladies, listen. If we ask for directions every time you want us to, it'll take us longer to get there than when we get lost and find it. It took them 40 years to go two weeks, and none of them made it into the promised land because all they ever did was wah, whine, call the ambulance. Wah, we wish we were slaves again. Wah, we wish we were free again. Wah. All you ever do is give us manna and dew and manna and dew. We want meat. Wah. And none of them made it into the promised land. You know why? Because none of them had a friendship with God. Moses in Exodus 33 would set up a tent outside the regular tent of the tabernacle. The tabernacle came from the tent called the tent of meeting. It was where Moses would meet with God. But the Bible says in Exodus 33:7 that he set the tent up that anybody who wanted to inquire of the Lord could go in that tent. But if you read, it says, when Moses would go into the tent, all the other men would stand at attention, each at their entrance to their own tent, their own life, their own way. And how often do we, instead of getting God's perspective, we just figure it out ourselves. We don't want to bother God with that. I don't really talk to my wife. I don't want to bother her with all the details of my life. She's just my wife. I see her every once in a while. That's not a friendship. That's just two people living in the same house together. How many of us are just living in the same house as God, but we don't have a friendship with Him? We don't have a communication with Him? God, what do you think about the economy in America? I don't know. I wasn't expecting this. I mean, the war and everything. I, I told George not to go. Those stupid guys would have took out the Twin Towers in the first place. I don't know what to think. I'll figure something out and I'll send you a memo. I'll let you know. I don't see God up in heaven going, Ah... Uh, So when I was in that car saying, God, I need to hear a word from you. And he told me, my word is you have a mechanical relationship with me. You're treating me like a machine to make your life easier. You can't throw this thing out. You have to work it out. At that moment, I asked God to forgive me. I said, God, please, I'm sorry. What do you think about my current situation? And I heard this clear as a bell inside of my spirit. Steve. You're right where I want you to be. You're doing what I told you to do. 
So relax. All week long, every time I'd open up the Bible, I'd just open it up to some place. And the Scriptures would all say the same thing. Why are you looking to the hills for your help? Your help comes from the Lord. Why are you looking to your 401k for your help? Why are you looking to your retirement for your help? At one point in your life, you decided to give it all to God and surrender to Him. At one point. But somewhere down the line, we got enough in the bank account, we didn't need Him anymore. So the economy comes and I lose half my retirement. Was that really your retirement? Or does He have your hope in your future? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a... Well, what kind of future is that if I don't have a bank account? It's His future. God knows what He's doing. If He would only let me in on His plans... Ask him. He's speaking. I was talking to a guy out there today, and maybe this is why I was talking to him, but he said he heard another guy sharing a story about, about, you know, the radio is always on. That station is always on. There's always music there. There's always someone talking there. So how come you can't hear it? Well, you don't have a radio. You don't have it turned on. You don't have it to the right frequency. In the movie August Rush, there's a scene in there where the guy's talking about music to this little kid who just seems to be this prodigy, and he says, it's all around us. It's in the airwaves around us. It's out in the, it's everywhere you look. There it is. And the kid said, well, then only a few of us can hear it. And he said, only a few of us are listening. We've got a box of how we think God should speak to us. And it looks much like this. Near the end of, it'll be in, sometimes in the music that's being sung, but usually we'll calm the music down real slow, and then either someone will come up here and, and say something, or we'll wait and someone out there will say something out loud, or you'll hear, thus saith the Lord. And yet, if you only hear God at that point, if I only talked to my wife once a week whether I needed to or not, I wouldn't have a wife, I just have a person that I live with. I told this one girl, when God speaks to me, He speaks to me in movie clips. So when I go to movies, I, I go to movies with God. And we sit down and we watch movies together. And God, will, I'm a visual person, so God will say, Steve, see that idiot over there? That is you. This thing over here, that's me. And see that, all that junk in the middle? That's this situation. This is how we... Oh, oh. I get it. To work it out, it takes two people. Both of them have to be willing to work it out. Don't throw this thing out because you're nervous, because you're fearful. And don't make God in your image. Some of you in this room are convinced that God is ashamed of you. But you've never asked Him yourselves what He really thinks about you. And that is not fair. When my wife and I have had our most difficult times is when I just knew how she felt about me. When I finally went to her and talked to her about it, I found out she didn't feel that way at all. She just acted like she did. I have a friend that tells his wife, he says, Babe, I can't read your mind. I know other females can, but I am a male. I can't read your mind. I need you to tell me when you're disappointed, when you're angry. And if he was smart, he'll ask on a regular basis because whoever wants to go up to someone and say, Oh, by the way, I'm really angry with you. Could we talk? 
With God, you have to work it out. Someone say, work it out. When's the last time you asked him what he thought about your situation? What he thought about the situation where, um, that concerns you so much? When's the last time you asked him about what he thinks about you? I did a, a little thing one time um, with a bunch of teenagers. And I had them break up into small groups and just let them hang out and talk about whatever. About 10 minutes into the conversation, I got up and I said, I'm pushing the pause button. Just pause right there. Don't say a word. Pick up that sentence right in a second where you left off. But before you do, I want you to find someone from your group. And I want you to make that person Jesus. Maybe the one with the best beard or the longest hair. I don't care. You know, she might have a better beard than you if you don't want it to be. If, I, don't, I don't care. But whichever one, you just pick a guy from your group, pick a girl from your group, pick someone from your group and let them be Jesus. And then I'm about to push the, pa, the play button again. And then I want you to continue to have your conversation only with Jesus there because Jesus is everywhere. Amen? Sometimes he's a third wheel. He just follows us around and says, can I? Where are you guys going? Can I, can I come to the mall? You know, you go to work every day without me. I mean, I mean, I'm always there, but could I ride in your car with you this time? Maybe in the front seat. Maybe we could talk on the way to work. <gasps> God talked to me in my car. When 9-11 hit, where do we all run to talk to God? We ran into church buildings. That's okay. God will talk to us anywhere. But you know what? He talks to you in the bathroom. <gasps> yeah, he made that body of yours. You might have wrecked it, but he still made it. <laughs> We, treat, we, we call it sacrilegious to, to treat God. I think it's sacrilegious to keep him a million miles away as some old forgetting grandpa. He made us because he wants someone to walk in the cool of the day with. He wants someone to walk in the garden with like he did with Adam and Eve when I was here last time. He made us because he wants a friendship. He wants a relationship with us. He just wants to talk with us. So I get back to the story of Jesus around the circle. When they all got done talking, a guy came up to me after, after the service and he said, Steve, you know when they made me Jesus... It was the weirdest thing. The whole conversation switched. And now everyone kept looking at me, and they kept asking me questions like, so is it going to snow? you going to let it snow on the retreat? So when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? Are you going to heal my grandpa? And he said, all I wanted was for someone just to ask me. And it's weird. He says, I knew I wasn't Jesus, but sitting there as Jesus, I don't know if it was God's heart or what in me, but all I wanted, I just wanted someone to ask me what I thought about anything. Just... Jesus, what do you think? It's not that hard to hear his voice. Religion makes it hard. That's why Jesus came and kicked religion in the tail. He kicked some Pharisee butt. And if we think those spirits that drove the Pharisees, that the spirit behind that is dead, think again, folks. It's still alive and well. Religion is still alive and well, and it always will be because it wants to take a relationship and turn it into something more formal, more complicated, more busy, more like the inside of this remote control, more like a machine. So then you can get angry with God, and then you can throw the whole thing out. When a machine doesn't work, that's what you do. But when a relationship doesn't work, when something is scaring you, what you've got to do is you have got to work it out. And I believe Jesus sits in the garden of our lives and he just waits for us to ask him, Jesus, what do you think? Jesus, what do you think about, about Barack Obama? Well, I'll tell you what he thinks about Barack Obama. You ever heard the word abortion? 
I'll tell you what he thinks about Barack Obama. He made Barack Obama. And he died for Barack Obama, just like he died for you and all of your wickedness. Now jab the person on the other side and say, now he's talking about you. Listen up. <laughs> we are all wicked. We're all evil. We all have design flaws. We're all messed up. Now touch a person in front and say, now he's talking about you. Man, God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He is our Savior. What do saviors do? They save things that need to be saved. And I'm in a situation now where I need him to save me. If he doesn't pull through, I'm toast. That's a pretty good place to be. That's where Christians are supposed to live. If you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. My favorite quote is, sometimes you have to jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. God always asks us to take a leap of faith. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Where does your hope come from today? Stop trying to figure it out on your own. He's already got it figured out. So ask him. Jesus, what do you think? And wait for a feeling. Like he might just give you a feeling of peace. Tell you what God did for me that day. He said, why do you keep looking to other people to figure this thing out, Steve? Why are you looking to them to help you out? I am your source. Trust me. A peace came over me. Eight months ago. And worrying is one of the gifts that God has given me. Worrying. Maybe I got it from my mom. I'm not sure where I got it from. But I know how to worry. Worry and faith are the same thing. Fear and faith are the same thing. Fear says, I don't see it yet, but I know it's going to happen. And faith says, I don't see it yet, but I know it's going to happen. And I worry. And I worry. But yet when I asked God, okay, God, what do you think about the situation? And he spoke to me and said, Steve, you're doing everything I've told you to do. Why are you looking to other things to help you, to fix you? The circumstances haven't gotten any better in the last eight month, months. They've actually gotten worse. And my peace has actually gotten better. Think about it. Why would you like to have a bank account? Wouldn't you? I would love to watch all those Charles Schwab commercials and actually have the option, yeah, I probably should go to Charles Schwab with my money. I probably should do that. They can make it happen for me. I did. For some reason, they don't open accounts with 78 cents. I don't know what the deal is. But why would you like that new vehicle? Why would you like to have that relationship with that person? Why would you like your boss to do this? Why would you, why would you like to have a 401k? Why would you like to have those things? Because of the feeling it's going to elicit in you. You'll be at peace. Because at least I have my future accounted for. The economy might be bad, but I have enough money in the bank. I'm going to be okay. You'll be at peace. What happens when the economy turns in such a way you don't have that anymore? Your peace goes right along with it. When the car gets old, your peace goes right along with it. When your boss or your spouse doesn't give you attention that you thought they should give you, your peace and your contentment goes right along with it. What if God just says, I'm just going to straight give you the contentment, bam, without any of these other things? Well, God, I appreciate that, but I wouldn't mind the money too. When God just came in and just gave me contentment, now my contentment doesn't rest upon any future. It doesn't rest upon my ability. It doesn't rest upon my spouse or my bank account or lack of one. My peace now resides on only one thing. The one who is unchanging. This is what believers do. They believe. 
Then I saw his face. Now I'm a believer. I'm in love. Ooh, I'm a believer. I can leave him if I try. So I don't have the squirrel song today, but I thought I might throw in a donkey one for you. Then I saw his face, and I'm a believer. Why don't you ask him, sir, what he thinks about you? What he thinks about your business situation. Ma'am, why don't you ask him what he thinks about you? What he thinks about your business situation? What he thinks about the thing that you're so worried about? It's okay to be worried. But why don't you ask him his opinion? You have to work it out. Don't throw it out because of some stupid thing called fear. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a gift from God. It's quite opposite. God has called us to believe. I'd like for my wife to come up and play you something on the, on the, on the piano. Because this is what I want us to do. I want us to actually try it. Wouldn't that be great? If I just, do, just didn't do all the talking and we actually tried it? I've been praying all weekend. This is the moment. For some of you, it might even be new to even think that God can speak to you. But we made God so religious that God has to speak to us in a Darth Vader voice. I am your father. Go to Africa. What if I already live in Africa? Go to Iowa. Sorry, I'm from Iowa. Hold that against me. See that feeling right there that's already coming for some of you guys? Some of you are already starting to feel it. That's God's voice. Many times He speaks to us in feelings. And what happens is, since He speaks to us in our thoughts, the very first word we get in our head is, Oh, that's just me. God has to be like, Hello, McFly. <laughs> they asked me, Matthew 7, 7, 11, I call it God 7, 11. It says, if you ask your earthly father who is imperfect, will he not give it to you? How much more will your heavenly father who is perfect give you what you ask for? And so you say, God, speak to me. And then we get a thought. We're like, oh, that's just me. And God's like, I can't win with these people. When you get a thought, you have to act on it. You have to believe it. That's how you know if it's God or not. You have to know the word. Is it? And if you don't know the word, then find someone else who does and say, I think I got this. But last night, I was struggling even with, with Michael last night about, Michael, help me out. What should I do here? I'm not sure what I should do. And, and I was getting some really good advice for him. But then when I was sleeping last night, I had the clearest dreams last night. Whenever I roll on my... It was so weird. I don't know I'm telling you this. Maybe there's some other weird people like me out there. Now jab the person only if it's true. But there's, wherever I roll on a certain side of my... I roll on the right side... I had these dreams of nothing working out. And whenever I rolled on my left side, I had these dreams of everything working out. And was, I know it's weird and stupid, but it's only weird because we've never done it before. That does not make it wrong. If I asked you to write your name right now on a piece of paper, it'd be no problem. If I asked you to put the pencil in the other hand, we would have an issue. You'd still get your name out, probably. It would look like your third grade son did it. But you'd still get your name on there. Would that make your name wrong? No, it'd just be weird because you've never done it before. And God is 
dying to speak to us, actually already did die to speak to us in a plethora of ways. When he died in that curtain that separated the holy place from the common place, he separated it. Why do we keep make, trying to make things sacred and secular? God just wants to be in every part of what we do. I don't have to get myself into a zone to talk with God. I'm in the zone all the time. He's in the zone. Get in the zone. He just separated that curtain too because he said, I just want to be a part of your life now. We have got to learn how to work it out. He's not a machine to throw away or to treat to get what you want. He's not a vending machine. God, I did this thing and I pushed the button. I put in my four hours of prayer. I pushed the button. I did my devotions every day this year. I pushed a button. God, I obeyed you. Now give me the peace that you said you're going to give. Hold on a second. Jesus, what do you think? You're not a machine. You're a person. So ask him right now. With your eyes open, with your eyes closed. He might want to show you something in this flower. In the back of somebody's head in front of you. Maybe it's like a widescreen up there. I don't know. He'll want God speaks to us in all sorts of ways. He speaks to us in our language, in our thoughts, in what is current in our lives. So you might get in the car today and go home and turn on the radio, and there's a song under the God's going to say, Will you shut up and listen to these words? Because I want to sing them to you. You might drive by a billboard, and it'll say something that you need to know. You might see someone on the road that just, you get it. You see the picture. Don't throw this thing out because you're afraid. Work it out. He's your friend. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. John 15, 15. And in case you're worried that I wouldn't get to the Bible, now you can't throw the whole thing out because I am going to read it right now. Shoot, now I have to. Matthew chapter 6, I call it the prayer machine. Be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Placators, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner uh, alike as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it, quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. This is really good. When you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense His grace. Anyone that says they can't, they can't pray is not true. You might not be able to pray like all the people that are experts in it. But if you know how to think, if you know how to talk, you know how to be honest, you know how to pray. Can I say this? Sometimes my favorite prayers are the ones that have swear words in it. Because now you know they're really being real and honest. 
We're so worried about keeping all the holy words in there. What's holy? This. I love people who don't know how to pray. They pray the best prayers because they just come before God like the scripture suggesting. Honestly, simply before him. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs. That's the machine. I tried that too. Begging God every way I could. I even sent my little boys to go ask him. Because I know he'd answer them. That's how you buy Girl Scout cookies. You'd buy gravel from those girls. Hi, would you like a rock with sprinkles? How much, sweetheart? $25? Sure. So I thought I'd send my cute boys to ask God. And one day he got, got a hold of me and said, Steve, why are you hiding behind your kids? Do you think I don't see you the same way? Do you think that you're not my child? Can you just come before me and ask me yourself? But I was so desperate, I tried every formula. I tried every machine I could think of to get him to respond how I wanted him to respond. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, thy, thy, God, you do what you're supposed to do. Your kingdom come. And we even turned that into a machine. It was exactly the opposite of what he was trying to say. So we just quote these words and hope that they mean something. This is what means something. The Bible says that that um, a broken person always gets the attention of God. A broken and contrite heart he does not despise. You come to him in your pain, in your ignorance, in your anger, in your fear. Ask him what he thinks about your situation. Work it out with him. So what's he saying to you? Close your eyes for a second or open if that helps you more. Ask him what he thinks. That picture you get in your head, that's from him. Ask him what it means.